the alchemy of tattooing. Wisdoms of Ancestor Tattoo, where we explore and revive the ancient understandings and methods of tattooing for transformation, creation, and shifting into a higher vibration through processes so effective that it seems like magic. Or is it indeed the true definition of magic? The alchemy of tattooing. All right, we've got Gordon Toy here today. Um, maybe start with just introducing yourself, how you got into uh, Mukwa and um, whatever you want to go from there. Uh, yeah, uh, tēnā tātou, uh, ko Gordon Toy ahau no hokianga, whakapau karakia te awa, whiria te maunga, ngā toki matawhaurua te waka, uh, rāhiri te tangata, uh, ngāti korokoro, ngāti wharara taku hapu, um, te whakorongota i te marae ko ngāpu i te iwi a tēnā tātou katoa um, Yeah, I, uh, I, I sort of accidentally got into uh, moko bro about um, uh, about 26 years ago I think maybe a little bit longer um, through another friend of mine um, Te Rangi Kaihoro he had already started his tattoo apprenticeship with uh, Phil Matthias up on College Hill there mm-hmm. and uh, actually tried to convince me to come and do the apprenticeship with him but um, at that stage uh, um, the only thing I had on my mind was to wear it not to do it so I passed on that first uh, request and then uh, a couple of years down the track he'd come back from uh, Phil's shop and uh, he had tattooed a, a, a small portion of the puhoro on his thigh. And um, I was like, oh man, that's amazing, bro. I'm ready. So start tattooing me. So um, we began my puhoro way back then. And uh, at that stage, I still didn't have any inkling to want to tattoo myself. But sometime after Laurie had finished my um, puhoro, I um, asked him about his, mm. you know, thighs, you know. Mm. So uh, we had just come off a three-day uh, carving, Wānanga him and I, around the clock mm. kind of a thing. So we were, you know, feeling pretty good and enthusiastic about things. So uh, he said, oh, why don't, why don't you draw something on uh, on my legs and, mm. you know, see how it goes. So I did. And uh, he said, oh, well, it looks pretty good. Your models will tattoo me. And so the kind of, the inspiration for me was not about like the tattooing, was more about hurting him like he hurt me. So <laughs> yeah. that opportunity, bro, was just, uh, you know, I wasn't going to um, waste it. So I said, yeah, yeah, all right, then I will. And then, uh, so we went back to his place, set up all the gear and everything like that. I'd been sort of assisting him from time to time at different wānanga and stuff. And um, once we got all the gear set up, I I started tattooing, man. And I tell you, it was just like a bolt of lightning, you know, mm. that um, struck a chord. And it was the same kind of a feeling I had when I first picked up a chisel mm. and smacked it into a, a bit of timber, you know. That mm. It was euphoric. Yeah. And um, it, it, it just gave me a natural high. And pretty much, bro, I, I haven't looked back and... Um, I guess, you know, some, you know, all the way down the track to, to, to now, I've always been very, very um, inspired by Puhoro. Not so much Kanohi for, for some reason, but I, I think what it is, for me personally anyway, is the process of Puhoro mm. excites me mm-hmm. because it's a. You know, because it's a. Um, Got the trucks going past. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's a, a you know, an, an, uh, uh, it's a uh, or, ordeal in itself, you know, to, to undergo this this particular process. Um, and over the years, I've just tried to practice refining that that mm. passage, that rite of passage, you know, mm-hmm. to assist our men and women. Uh, we, we haven't had a lot of women that had that uh, have received puhoro, but I think. Um, now with uh, the likes of my daughter and Anikaro and TJ and Matia and other um, wahine kaita, that'll change over the coming yes. sort of 10 years. Yeah. But for now, it's predominantly men. Mm. 
And so just helping assist our men and uplifting our men through that rite of passage and um, also kind of uh, pushing the the, the, um, the boundaries of the art form itself, you know. Mm. That's a huge amount of canvas to, you know, to fill in, mm. in such a short amount of time. So those opportunities, when they come, you know, you just, you can't just take it for granted. And mm. uh, you can't just waste that skin or waste that time or, you know, or anything. There, mm. there is no time to waste when you're working on a puhoro. A kanohi can take anything from like two and a half to maybe four hours now, you know. Mm. I remember in the early days to do a male's kanohi was about 10 hours, you know. Yeah. And that was a full-on day. So that was quite a journey. Mm. But now, I mean, a kauai is like under bloody 15 minutes, yeah. you know. Um, and that's not taking away any i don't believe at least any mana away from the process of that we've just become better technicians at our skill yeah. Yeah. so i mean and that's an advantage for the for the receiver yeah in my opinion you mm. know to be able to spend less time on the table than more time mm. um yeah but puhoro for me uh, it just seems to be uh the thing that i um am more attracted to you know and uh everything about it kind of speaks volumes to the mastery sort of craftsmanship of our ancestors you know Mm. um it's a it's a very holistic approach to tattooing it's not just uh putting ink and skin there's a there's a whole um other side to it you know uh, controlling the environment the karakia process the consultation process you know the use of the stretches in terms of relating it back to the pūrāko of what um, moko is all about you know with matawara and, and niwareka and uetonga rua moko all these particular sort of ancestral um, elements uh, play all play their part in that process you know mm. and and you as the kaifakahaere um of that waka you gotta you gotta you gotta pull all those elements together and mm. all it in order for it to um, fruit, you know, to bear fruit, you know, so that the person that's on the table is, is um, uh, if they're playing their part and the stretchers are doing their, their job, I'm doing my job, that's when the magic happens, you know, that's mm. when a real powerful, um, you know, uh, philosophy of what moko is all about really starts to come alive, you mm. know, mm. the modi of it, you yes. know, and um, that, that for me is, uh, you know, that's what floats my boat at least. Mm-hmm. So, um, just in case some people aren't familiar with the terms, you've got puhoro, kanohi, kowai. Um, what what are those? Uh, so, if you, if you um, were to explain them, uh, facial tattooing on the females is called a kowai. So it's the chin area, and um, that particular design there, there is not too much variation uh, in terms of the aesthetic look. It's so from one to the other it's very very similar and um, there's good reason for that uh, nowadays you know with the types of machines and, and uh, um, tools that we're using uh, where it enables the artist to be able to sort of like push also the boundaries of their very small pace, uh, place on the chin mm. so you you know I mean I've seen some some brilliant brilliant pieces coming out of you know um, you know different artists around the country that are producing just some Outstanding kowai. Um, kanohi matora uh, for men is a, a full face, or uh, in many cases, there's a bit of a trend at the moment with these half faces and stuff like that. So uh, this is a normal thing, uh, part of the process as well. When when a person is receiving their facial tattoos uh, as a male, where they start off with a, a small section first, and as they progress with their their skill base or their their school of learning or whatever it is that they're involved in then other pieces are added to it you know mm-hmm. um of course there's the ariki line or the chiefly lines that everything was accorded to them by birthright mm-hmm. so you know our high-ranking uh, um uh, uh chiefly lines were given you know full puhoro full kanohi whatever whatever they wanted they mm. they had but for us plebs you know, we had to kind of work our way up the ladder. Mm. Now, for males, also, we had the uh, opportunity to receive a puhoro. Uh, the puhoro is a three-quarter bodysuit that starts um, from just below the knees 
and uh, ends about halfway up the rib rib uh, cage. So um, that process at the moment is taking between four and a half to five days, depending on the size of the beast. Mm. Um, yeah. So um, yeah, the puhoro. There's lots of different names that uh, um, that are popping up uh, since we've been reviving this this uh, art form. Uh, Peha is is a is a, another name that people use uh, here in the House of Natives. We use the name Te Whariki Tapu or Uetonga. Um, the name being that it references Uetonga, which was the creator uh, or the, the the artist that actually um, uh, produced uh, uh, the 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 male's uh, design on their face. And um, uh, the Fariki uh, part of the the name comes from the weaving together of all the different stories, Pudako and Kōrero, Whakapapa and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It's also a reference to his daughter, Niwareka, mm-hmm. who brought back with Mata Ora to Te Marama, to the world of light, um, the art of tattooing mm-hmm. and the art of weaving. Mm-hmm. And so these two art forms coexist together. Mm-hmm. And all those designs that we put on people's bodies and stuff like that are always referencing either weaving designs or patterns that refer to that connection between male and female. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, would you share with us the the story of that and how, how the origins of uh, moko and um, there's uh, over the over my life I've heard slightly different stories and yeah. different areas and different iwi. Um, and it's interesting to hear the different stories or the or the, the slight um, you know difference in references with with what happened and mm. um, yeah well the story that I I was um, told it actually came to me uh, from uh, a good friend of mine we went through the carving school together Ian Wayne Grant um, and he shared the story with me years ago just not long after I'd started actually. But over the years, it's as you you know delve deeper and deeper into the art of of uh, moko, you know there are other elements, and you're correct. Everybody has their own version, their own perspective of of that story, mm. you know. Mm. And um, sometimes you'll hear things, um, and then you add that to your mix as well, mm. you know. And mm. it it becomes your you know your foundation for what you believe in, you know. Mm. It's a little bit like a to me, it's a little bit like uh, religion, I suppose. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a uh, there's a saying that we have here is you know trust the process. You know, mm-hmm. trusting the process is having faith in the ability that the knowledge that was given over by our tupuna or handed down to us is good to go. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. we should not question it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, the story sort of starts out with uh, Matawara and Niwareka. Um, and Niwareka was actually from a, a, another realm, uh, a place called Raruhinga. And uh, like most couples do, they had a little bit of a disagreement and she decided to return to her people. Um, in that time of, of absence, Matawara, you know, kind of realised that, you know, the, the feelings that he had for his woman were um, significant enough to want to go and get her and um you know try and retrieve her and uh but he was gonna you know he was gonna need uh some assistance mm. so with that he went to tane tane was the or is the god of the forests and uh and tane has many names uh attributed to him and um anyway so matawara went to to tane told him of his uh, situation and tane took pity on him and said, yeah, okay, I'll, 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 uh, I'll um, help you out now, by way of uh, an ope or a, a small group of birds that will accompany you. Now, each one of these birds will get them to the next, you know, to the next uh, level, so mm-hmm. to speak, and uh, eventually to the realm of Rarohinga. Now, one of these birds was a, a kiwi, the other one was a ruru, uh, the other one was a peka peka, and uh, a kaka, um, the fifth one was uh, um, a toro, an albatross. And so, um, anyway, they eventually came to the realm of um, 
Rarohinga. And the story goes is that there's a, there was a whare there, and inside the maho or the porch was a man. And that man's name was Uetonga. Uh, so Matawara approached Uetonga and uh, told him why he was there, and without realizing, I suppose, didn't quite know who Uetonga was. And Uetonga was the father of Niwareka. Mm-hmm. So as this fella's telling him about what went down, you can imagine as a father, you know, he's probably thinking, oh, yeah, all right then, you know, this is the mongrel that's come to sort of, you know, <laughs> win back the mana of my uh, my daughter. And so uh, Uetonga said to him, well, yeah, Niwareka is inside the whare, but you can't go in there. And he says, oh, well, why is that? And uh, he says, well, there's another realm in there, man, you know, you, you, you won't even be recognised, you would... No markings in there. There, there, there's a, you know, there's a, a wairua in there that you are unfamiliar with. Mm. So therefore, you won't be recognised. Mm. And uh, so Mataora continued to press on about his, his, the seriousness of of wanting to earn back the the mana of his woman. Uh, so eventually, Uetonga sort of said to him, "Well, okay, man, you can go in there. I'll paint some uh, designs on your face." And so Matora thought, oh, well, you know, that'll, that'll do, you know, do it. Mm. So he laid down and, and Uetonga um, began to uh, paint these designs on their face. Now, this act is what we, you know, call like kirituhi. So kiri is skin, tuhi is to, to draw or to paint. Uh, this art form comes from the, the, the art form of kōwhaiwha. Uh, now, if you've ever seen Matatini, our cultural performances, and you see a lot of the performers on stage and they have, you know, drawn on mokos on their face and on their bodies. And of course, when they're getting into their, their routines, they start to sweat. Mm. And, uh, and of course, those markings begin to run. Mm. And this is exactly what happened to Matora when he went into the house and was confronted by that wairua within that realm. Mm. Uh, he became very nervous and uh, started to you know, kind of freak out a little bit and those that paint started to run off his face. So it kind of exposed him, you know. Mm. It, it it showed the people in there that he, you know, he wasn't of, uh, you know, he wasn't quite ready to, to you know, show himself his true self. Mm. So he exited the house. Uh, in the time that Matawara was inside the whare, Uetonga had placed these manu in certain parts of the maho. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, when Matora came out, Uetonga said, well, what the hell happened? And uh, Matora said, well, it was like you said, uh, I, I, you know, I didn't know what the hell was going on in there. And, uh, you know, they were, you know, strange things I'd never ever sort of seen before. Mm. Uh, things were coming at me left, right and center, and I didn't quite know how to handle it. Mm. And uh, when the paint started to run off my face, everybody started laughing at me. So I, I exited the house. Mm. And so Uetonga said to him, well, how do you still feel, man? You still want to, you know, you're still serious about, you know, finding your, your woman? He said, yeah. And uh, he was a bit disheartened by what, what had happened in the house. So Uetonga said, well, if you truly are committed to your woman, I can... I can uh, um, I can carve those designs into your face, mm-hmm. you know. So uh, you know, maybe a test as a father. I, I think you know when you yeah. analyze the story, there, there's layers to the story, mm. and I think you know if it was my daughter, I'd I'd, I'd want this fella to be tested. So mm. I think uh, you know from a practical sense, when I analyze the story, Uetonga was really challenging Mataora's commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, to his daughter mm-hmm. um, and Mataora agreed so he, he laid down and Uetonga used the positions of the bird and the maho to, f- to form the, the male um, facial tattoo mm-hmm. so the first part that was done was the tifana which is the upper forehead area uh, the bird that he fashioned that design off was the pekapeka, the bat now, if you look at the male kanohi, or the male face, on the forehead, you'll have these long lines that sort of spread up over the forehead. Those represent the wings of the, the, the bat. 
the next design he did was on the nose um uh the bird he used there was the kaka um the wananga that the kaka uh, has is that it's its ability to be able to use its senses mm-hmm. you know sight sound mm-hmm. taste smell all those types of things this bird is acute at being able to you know tune into those different things mm. um the pika pika i should i should say also to that particular bird when it communicates it com- communicates on higher levels frequencies mm-hmm. you know so this this is a you know this is where sort of tohunga tanga and and um makutu and uh, all these um uh, types of wananga are are uh, attributed to because you know one needs to to be a master or at least uh, articulate you know mm. and communicate on higher levels mm-hmm. either with our atua or our or our tupuna that have passed on uh, also with the living as well you mm-hmm. know the negotiators the yeah. uh, the kaikorero you know the ones that speak on the marais on behalf of all our people mm-hmm. they have to be proficient they have to be articulate so they have to be able to have the ability to communicate, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's by use of word or by, you know, other forms. Yeah. Uh, the next bird that he tattooed onto Mata'ora's face was the uh, kiwi. Now, the kiwi, uh, he had placed uh, um, uh, on the paipai of the whare. Now, it's not often that um, that, that bird is sort of in that position so low to the ground um if you look at the native uh, um ruru that it has little little head feathers on the top yeah uh, the mokokowai that the women wear they they this is where this design comes from it actually forms a um an abstract uh um aesthetic from the head of a ruru mm. so those little bits that come up onto the sides of the lips mm. is actually the head feathers and the spirals or the puhuros that that follow down are the eyes, mm-hmm. so it's a it's an abstract form of the uru. So, um, because that bird was so low down into the paipai, Uetonga had placed its fanonga, the kiwi, next to it. So on the face, on the male face, from the nose, the the nostrils, down uh, uh, below the chin. Uh, are these long lines now that's the the beak of the kiwi mm-hmm. this the the lower spiral on the side of the face is the kiwi's head mm-hmm. or the eye now um and with that is actually the basic uh uh formatting for the male's face and as well as the females for the kowa mm-hmm. um you'll see full-faced uh, uh male kanohis and they have other spirals, a, a, a secondary spiral up on the cheek. Uh, this realm here is the Almaroma. It, it, it calls in or acknowledges all the different atua that exist within this realm. So Tane, Tangaroa, Tafirimatia, all these types of atua that exist within this, this realm of light um, is acknowledged within that area there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's basically the, um, uh, the format for uh, where facial design came from now after after Matawara received this uh, facial moko um, he went back into the house and of course retrieved his woman it was also a sign to her that it showed her just how committed he was mm. to her so with that she decided to return to Te Marama, to the world of light with him and Uetunga uh, gifted the art of moko to Matawara um, with the tools or I might add the the tool that he used to um, uh, 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 to uh, carve Mataora's face was actually from a wing bone of a toro, so that was the the last bird that was used. Now, um, when you have big kopapa like this, again, this is another sort of like you know um, another layer to that story. What I believe when you're on a big kopapa like that. There's always got to be some form of sacrifice, mm. you know, um, and unfortunately, uh, that Toroa sacrificed itself for the for the um, opportunity to have his wing bone made into a, a tattooing tool that we call uhi mm. and uhi fao. Um 
and Uetunga uh, used that bone to um, acknowledge uh, to um, perform that 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 moko. Now, the rhythm that we use when we um, are tattooing with hand hand tools, traditional tools, there are many different rangi or there are many different tunes that the different islands throughout Polynesia adopt. Mm. But here in Aotearoa, we're quite unique because our designs consist of small spirals and. If you look at Samoa, for example, and places like Hawaii and Tahiti, they have geometric sort of symbols. Mm. Um, therefore, um, their technique is slightly different. However, in Aotearoa, we have these very, very small curves in the korus and the puhoros and different circular designs. And our rhythm is different. And it's, it's dictated by all these circular designs. So the rhythm that we use is more like a clap a very slow clap that sound when it's tapped that way uh, is actually to acknowledge that toro that sacrificed itself mm-hmm. for the for the art form you know mm. so we acknowledge and we pay respect to those that particular bird for for giving up its 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 life um, and and that rangi that we use that tuck 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 can be heard uh, also when the when the albatrosses are mating so when they're calling in a mate, they use their beaks, and it's that very same sound. That no, 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 yeah, and that's the same sound we use when we're tattooing as well. Mm. When Mataora and Niwareka returned to Tao Marama, she brought with her the the art form of weaving, and he the art of uh, um, tattooing. Now another layer that's into that story, you know, sometimes people. When they tell that story or hear that story, they concentrate on the on the argument, mm. you know, on the situation, the the the, the conflict, yes. you know. Yeah. And um, to me, we are born of conflict. You know, it's it's part of our human condition to to you know uh, to to go to war. You know, we 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 just don't learn anything from it. We continue to, you know, have these these. Um, these uh, outbursts in our history that you know uh, uh, we just never ever 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 learn. So to me, when when people kind of uh, focus in on the the argument or whatever happened between those two, that's not the point. You're kind of missing the missing. You're actually missing the point. To me, what this whole story is about, or the philosophy behind it, it's about how far are you willing to go. How committed are you to your kaupapa, mm. you know? Mm. Um, you know, and Mata'ora, he showed, literally showed how far he was willing to go to have those designs carved permanently into his face. Mm. So that became somewhat of a contract, you mm. know? Mm. And that's how I see Moko today is that it's, 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 a, it's a visual contract of our commitment to our families, to our hapu, to our iwi, to our culture, you know, mm. um, it's a it's a personal contract between you and it, and uh, and no one, no one can take it away, mm. you know. Mm. So it's a very powerful uh, visual uh, metaphor for people to you know walk around with ink in their in their skin because you you know when you see another tattooed person that they've been through something. Mm. When I see somebody with no no, no tattoos on them. I think, wow, what a boring life. Mm. You're a nobody, yeah. you know. Mm. But when I see somebody with ink in their skin, whether it's moko or tattooing or whatever, mm. you know, these 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 fellows have had had some experience in life, mm. you know. Mm. And that is uh, quite a powerful, uh, uh, you know, message that you mm. can, you know, send to people without even saying anything. Yeah. They just need to look at you and like, Jesus, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, with um, the journey of receiving the puhoro, uh, it's it's a, a really important and transformational journey for those who are getting it and receiving it. Um, what what are, what are your thoughts around uh, that being a a rite of passage or a um, a transition from one one stage to another? Uh, and what that brings to that person, what what kind of um, 
Yeah, what's your thoughts around that? Your yeah, well, you know, the, I mean, the the answer to that is actually in that story that we just that I just shared with you about mm. Matora. I think you know um, the idea of somebody wanting to be tattooed. Um, it starts with a thought, obviously. Mm. You know, you get inspired by other people that you see. Uh, we're lucky we're, uh, in, in Te Ao Māori. We we get inspired by our culture mm. that has um, left us this beautiful uh, art form of moko, you know. Mm. So it, it, it's a lot easier for us to 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 want to ink our skin. But I see the recipients much in the way um, as they were, uh, you know, as I see them much in the way that they're just like Matawara. They had to go on a bit of a journey, mm. you know, mm. a bit of a discovery. Mm. Um, we, the tattooists, are like those birds, and we assist them along their, you know, we assist mm. these people along their, their journey. Yeah. And uh, we test them. Mm. We see how committed they are, mm. you know. I mean, you know yourself when you've tattooed some, you know, some of your clients and they haven't, you know, their mind up here isn't quite ready to mm. receive, mm-hmm. you know. You can't, you can't tattoo if the motherfucker is jumping around on your table, yeah. you know. Mm. So you have to learn tools and you have to pick up... Uh, um, a set of uh, uh, teachings that allow you to be able to slow that uh, that person down to the point where you can do your work, you know, mm. as best as you can, and they have a, a, a they have a better journey, you know, rather than fighting it. Yeah. Because this is one. This is you know anyone who's been tattooed. If you if you go up against it, mm-hmm. you're gonna lose. Mm-hmm. You're gonna lose hands down. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You have to give into it, and that for a lot of people, I think, is the hardest thing to do, is give into it. Mm. You know, so mm. you're testing that rite of passage. You know, you really want this thing, then you know it's. I can't do it by myself. Mm. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta bring your game. Mm. You know, and if you're sitting in front of me, you're here for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, if you trust me, then you you need to trust what I'm doing is going to get you through this thing as easily as possible, mm. as calmly as possible. Mm. You cannot fight it. The moment you start fighting it, it's game over. Mm-hmm. Then we have to tack a different way. Mm. And then the other Uncle Gordon comes out, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we don't want him to, you know, we don't want him to, to, to come out. So it's mm. it's um, part of our job to assist these people through their rite of passage. And I believe that that all adds to the holistic approach to what we do as cultural practitioners, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the shapes that are used in the puhoro, and the the puhoro shape. Yeah. Um, can you share a bit about what that represents? What 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 what? Why is it created like that? Um, why is it on the legs like that? Yeah. Um, um, the the aesthetics of 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 puhoro is. Um, in many ways, like traditionally, you can look at uh, like the design that I have is more adapted to the use of um, using hand tools, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's, you, you can just sort of see that all these horizontal lines would be perfect for tapping. Mm-hmm. Over the years, in the introduction of um, uh, modern machines, it's allowed our our artists to you know go on, go beyond those those uh, um, restrictions that often or well, you know sometimes that traditional tools have. Um, so, for me personally, when I'm designing uh, somebody's puhoro, I I'm I'm literally trying to form the designs around the muscle contours of. Of, of the body, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and uh, we're trying to find those key areas where where um, the horo or the spiral part of the puhoro design will sit on a particular area of that muscle. Mm-hmm. So when that muscle is moving, it's actually pulling and pushing just like muscle under mm-hmm. the skin, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And so it, it, it again, it's another layer that's added to the aesthetic of it because now if a person is to static or standing or sitting, your eye is caught by the designs and it'll take you on a little bit of a journey mm. if you mm. follow it, you know. Mm. Now, 
if that person gets up and starts moving, there's a whole different other thing. You'll start seeing all these designs moving and working in, in, in cohesion with the movement of the body. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the designs have uh, evolved. Um, I'm not saying that you cannot achieve these designs, these sort of modern versions of the puhoro with traditional designs. You can. I know you can. Mm. Um, some of the, uh, the some of my my um, study with Mokomokai and getting up close to to these uh, uh, preserved heads of our tupuna, um, the detailing on these on these faces were incredible. Mm. You know, they never had machines back then, my man. Mm. Mm. So, I think you know, as more of our practitioners take up traditional tools eventually that evolution of getting those designs as tight as they once were uh, on the face uh, um, will will come back into play. I've used traditional tools before and I like using them. I have nothing against them uh, at all. Um, in, in, in fact, uh, those of our, our um, uh, Samoan bros and our Hawaiian brothers out there and other other indigenous cultures around the world that are, are using uh, hand tools, I think it's great because, you know, uh, traditional tools and modern tools need to coexist together. Mm. They both play a role, mm. you know. Mm. And to me, neither one is better than the other. They just are. Mm. Uh, what's important to me is not the tool, it's what's left behind in the skin. Mm. If you don't get that story right, then you're literally fucking just tattooing a lie into these people. Yeah. You know, that's the way I see it, yeah. straight up. Mm-hmm. You know, we only get one shot at this game. Mm. It's not like we can rub this shit out. Mm. So um, what's left behind in the skin is so important, mm. you know, because that's going to carry that, that person to their grave. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Mm. Mm. We talked a little bit about the carved-in look that, that yeah. was achieved back yeah. in the day and uh you know uh what's the how did they do that you know we're, we're still trying to work out maybe how that was achieved so successfully mm. back then um what theories have you heard or come up with 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 regards to that yeah well you know um well, what i know about um uh Fall is that it was a process that was repeated mm-hmm. so yeah unlike today you know our machines one hit done finished uh whereas the 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 art of actually carving the skin is uh, a process that's done multiple times and the reason being is that um if, if anyone has you know received a cut in their skin you know of significant depth uh, there's two things that are going to happen mm. when it heals it'll either heal flat or it'll heal keloid which is when the, the skin pops out a little bit mm-hmm. and leaves a, a raised bump mm. now what's happening underneath the skin to cause that is that the nerves and all the tissue and stuff is actually repairing itself so it's it, the body is actually fixing itself mm-hmm. and it forms that scar mm. Now, once that scar is formed, you've got to reopen it because the, 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 the facial tattooing uh, in our culture was inverted, mm. you know. Yeah. So what you have to do is you've got to break those nerves again. You've got to break all those little blood capillaries and all those little things that, that heal itself mm. before that skin starts to drop in. Mm-hmm. Now, the mastery of, of, of that technique is not laying just one line there's like three or four lines side by side yeah so that's you know i mean and these are deep cuts yeah so that that to me is the true skill of the of the artist Mm. is how they did that now as again i I talk about these uh, uh preserved heads that I've had the privilege of uh, sitting with and, uh, you know, and studying over the years, you know, and the detail on these things is incredible. Mm. It's more detailed than what we get in our timber. Yeah. You know, some of these heads, you know. Mm. Now, in saying that too, there are some heads that I've seen where the scarring has, has, 
has failed. Mm-hmm. And you can see blowouts. You can see bits of skin missing yeah. within the lines and stuff like that. Mm. So there's always that risk of, of, of that particular technique of tattooing that you're going to go too deep or not deep enough. Um, all those types of things. I've even sort of seen where the ink has blown out underneath the skin mm. of some of these heads, you know? Yeah. So um, the ink actually, the kapara, was manually put in. So you can, you, you know, when you get cut, it leaves a line. It'll leave a scar line. Mm. Even a light cut, it will leave a scar line. Mm. So back in the days, it's, it's my understanding that... Um, when they first started to use the uhi, that those lines were cut in and left uh, without ink. So it was just a line. Um, as that skin started to invert, and they, they had the design in there, again, it was reopened. And you can hear, the, you can hear these, old, these old queer from uh, Tuhoi and um, uh, um, Tainui. Michael King did a documentary and they were talking, some of them were talking about their kawai. Mm-hmm. And some of these ladies said, you know, they'd lived well into their hundreds, some of these, these uh, wahine. And, um, and uh, they talk about when the kaita came back into the village, reopened their moko and manually inserted the ink, mm. the kapara, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so they just rub it in. Yeah. They rub it into that scar. Yeah. And, um, as opposed to tapping it in, yeah. you know, which is the perspective uh, we're more commonly used to. Mm. Um, but no, it was actually manually put in. Mm. Um, yeah, so there's all these little things, you know. So um, you know, even you know, even even tattooing with uh, machines, uh, sometimes in the in the light in the right light, you'll you'll see an indentation. Mm. You know, it's actually inverted. So yeah. those are those, you know, those needles are breaking through those little nerves and, those, you know, the co- blood capillaries and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it severs it. Mm. But if they get an opportunity to join back again, they will. Yeah. And so you've got to reopen those things again. Mm. Yeah. Mm. My tupuna hungihika from the north, uh, it, it said that his face was done several times. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so things like that, yeah. Mm. Mm. So the, the, the lines that, that were created first, so they're indented, and like you said, there's two, three, or four lines really close together, so mm-hmm. ridges so close together, yeah. And then that's opened up again in the final part to mm. rub in the uh, mm. the pigment, mm. yeah. Um. So, is there anything you want to share about moving forward in this? What's happening with the you know the revival's full on now? Yeah, uh, and how important that is. What what's your? Anything well, you, you know, I kind of there? think the kaupapa of Moko at the moment is in a state of fucking chaos. You know, necessary chaos. Mm. Um, you know, when things like this, they come back and they return, you know, they come back and, and you know, in hellfire, you know. Mm. Um, and what I mean by chaos is that everybody is taxing everybody. There isn't any defined uh, um, styles or, you know. For example, you know, if you look at the real, for example, if you hear somebody speaking from the north, you know, you know they're from the north just because of their pure dialect mm. from Taranaki from Ngati Pro, you know, all the different iwi, tūhoi, they all, we all have our own dialect, mm. right? If you look at our artwork, like, for example, carving, you can tell the style from the north, mm. you can tell the style from Taranaki or Ngati Pro, or you can tell these styles, they're so defined, they're pure, mm. you know? Moko, mm. um, holy hell, you know? You couldn't tell jack shit from anything, man. Mm. That, that stuff is just all over the place. Part of uh, part of the work of uh, I believe what our kaita should be uh, doing is defining those styles. Mm. So it's not a it's not a Derek Lardelli or a Golden Toy or Timé Timé Timé. That's a Ngati Pro style, mm-hmm. you know. That's mm. a Ngapuhi style. Mm. That's a Tuhoi style. And hopefully over the coming years, within the next twenty or so years, this 
this uh, 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 um, stage that we're at now, uh, it's kind of like a bunch of kids in a candy store. You know, we're just grabbing at everything. Yeah. You know, trying to tell all these stories and, you know, throw that in there. And, you know, sometimes I look at these fellas and think, holy bloody hell, man, there's so much stuff in there. Mm. You got to strip it all back. Yeah. You know, just strip that shit back, man. Mm. Go back to your fellas, Marais. Go back to the museums where they're holding our tongue. You know, uh, go back and talk with your komato and your queer. Mm. You know, these stories that they have or information that they have about about uh, um, you know our, our our tupuna they're so important to actually sort of putting all those jigsaw puzzles pieces back together mm. again mm. you know fucking colonization has fucked us up religion has fucked us up mm. you know poverty you know health mm. our state of being you know it's no wonder that we're in a state of chaos mm. but moko i believe moko is an art form that can actually heal us mm. you know mm. <clears throat> it has it has so much depth to it that um you know it it potentially could could you know put us in good steed and and make us more aware of 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 our purpose you know mm. give us give us a you know something to shoot for yeah you know yeah it's a rongoa i yeah. really believe that it is a rongoa it's a it's a it's a healing powerful tool that we have luckily been gifted by our ancestors mm. you know um all we have to do is research it you know mm. so defining the styles of moko um i think that's that's the next step you know stop mm. fucking fusing moko with fucking everything else you know mm. Mm. there's enough of that shit out there already mm. we don't need to do it with our stuff our stuff is good to go as yeah. it is yeah all we need to do is learn about it mm. you know and that's easy you get together with other artists and you wananga i know hohua mohi up in tarawa and his crew up there they have they have wananga about moko and stuff like that and those types of things those are really good good uh wananga to be a part of because you know it, it just gives a, a clearer understanding of of some form of direction mm-hmm. we need to go you know mm. uh instead of just all out yeah. you know yeah i mean there's a time and a place for that sort of stuff i'm not saying that that's not the way to go mm. um you know we everybody is at different levels of of awareness and consciousness about you know um their skill so i mean it's things that develop over the years since i've been down into waipo um one of the things that i've tried to um uh, uh do is strip back all the bullshit you know mm-hmm take away all the all the fancy stuff and just get it right back to those three lines those mm-hmm. just line work you know just yes. black yeah. and and um try and study more and more the styles from the north uh talking to people about the north um yeah you know and just putting that all in so that it starts to become not mine but ours yeah. you know yeah. I hate it when people say, "Oh, yeah, that's a Gordon toy, or a, or a, or a this or a that." You know, mm. I want fucking people to say, "Man, that's from the north." Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I just can't fucking stand it. That's what they do in the art world, in the park here, in the park here world. Oh yes, that's a that's a Van Gogh, or that's a this, or that's a that. Yeah, yeah. Fuck that, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I, I'm a representative of my people from the north. Yeah. So when they look at my work, that's them too. Mm. You know, it's not just me. Mm. Um, so yeah, getting that, getting back into that sort of um, space where we can um, take it right back to its roots, you know, to yes. the to the whakapapa of it, you know, mm-hmm. that's really important. I mean, that's what Moko is all about. It's about whakapapa. and if you ain't got it, you ain't got it, mm-hmm. and be fucking honest about it, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Don't try and fucking bullshit because we can read this shit, you yeah. know. I mean, to me, it's like I can read Moko better than I can read out of a book, mm. you know? Yeah. Uh, um, you know, to me, fucking books are some other cunt's perspective of of something, you mm. know? But when I look at Moko and I look at carving and I look at our art forms, those things don't lie, man, mm. you know? What you see is what you get, mm. you know? And you might not always like what you see, mm. but that's okay because that's a part of who we are, mm. you know? Mm. We have to accept everything that's good about us and everything that's bad you know you can't you can't you know you can't appreciate good if you haven't been bad Mm. you know um yeah yeah, you know Mm. you get it sort of reminiscent of uh 
you know the creation story where in the beginning it was all chaos as the all the atu were forming and mm. becoming into their own and finding their place and mm. uh it's kind of like that's that story again because it's it's a new beginning yeah with uh what's what's been happening and um if you're describing it as this chaos happening at the moment until we till everything finds its place and has its mm. has its own um identity in a mm. way yeah yeah I think the chaos is necessary because yeah. that'll, you know, eventually if we hang in there mm. long enough, it will fruit, yeah. you know. Yeah. Can you imagine if, if, if people like Hone Harawera and Hannah Jackson and, and Eva Rickard and, you know, uh, you know uh, Fina Cooper, if these people didn't, didn't stand up for our rights, where the fuck we would be, mm. you know. Mm. Fellas like Tamaiti and Annette Sykes and all these you know, people that stood up for our rights, man, yeah. back in the 70s, yeah. you know, mm. had enough. Mm. If that's chaos, man. They cause chaos. Mm-hmm. But out of that chaos, we've got kohanga reo, we've got kura, we've got wānanga, we've got moko, we've got our reo, we've mm. got all these things. Yeah. Because of people, you know, creating that bloody chaos, that awareness, mm. and getting out there and having the fucking balls to do it as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I can remember when I was, you know, back in, uh, you know, the... The early 80s, you know, even my own family was saying, yeah, you fellas are going up to Waitangi and you're shaming us all out and you're doing this and you're blah, blah, blah. I mean, hey, man, you know, it worked. Yeah. You know, because it brought about consciousness. Mm-hmm. Fuck, you turn the TV on in the morning and even the morning show, they're going, kia ora, you know, mm-hmm. and they're talking in Māori. Mm-hmm. That's That came out of that chaos, man, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so I honestly believe that, that uh, Moko will do the same. And this yeah. this period that we're in, this chaos, it's necessary. Mm. It's necessary. But we need the soldiers to stand up and sort of say, well, okay, here's the line in the sand, bro. Mm. You know, mm. this is where I'm going. Yeah. And you can choose to either follow or fucking get left in the dust, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's that's reality. Mm. We all can't be fucking Jedis and fucking Tongas and, you know, there's there's very limited spaces. Yeah. Um, you know, and... Um, you just got to keep, you know, believing and trusting in that process, man. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awesome. Well, that's a pretty uh, poignant thing to, to to finish up on. It's an awesome korero uh, there, man. Like, um, is there anything else, or we we good with that? And mm. um, nah, bro, I'm all good, man. If you're happy, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. It yeah. was a good chat, man. It was awesome. Thank you so much. Sweet ass, bro. Sweet um, yeah. Mm. Thank you. Kapai. Welcome to the Alchemy of Tattooing. Wisdoms of Ancestor Tattoo. Where we explore and revive the ancient understandings and methods of tattooing. For transformation, creation and shifting into a higher vibration through processes so effective that it seems like magic or is it indeed the true definition of magic the alchemy of tattooing